Okay, let me pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity now to delve into your word. Thank you for the opportunity to find you, to go deeper with you. God, protect us from distraction. In the next few minutes, help us to go into your heart and your soul and find out who you are in a deeper way. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So here are the marks of a culture that's in trouble. You've got violence everywhere. Not just in the headlines like what happened in London yesterday, but persecution of Christians. Violence against women and children. You have worship of false gods that go far beyond the worship of Jesus, and it's not even close. A culture in trouble consists of the worship of sex and self-gratification and There's an industry underneath it that's growing, and it's an ugly thing to watch. A culture that's in trouble is a culture that has made all kinds of alternative lifestyles mainstream. And a culture that's in trouble has corporate corruption and political corruption. You may be thinking to yourself, man, our culture is in trouble. But I'm not talking about our culture. I'm talking about the culture of first century Ephesus from which John was writing this letter of first John. And it's so strikingly similar to our culture that we can heed these warnings that he is sending to us. And the warning today is critical and it's simple and it's easy to grasp, but it's so very, very difficult to do. And that is, do not choose the things of the world, but choose the things of the world. Of Christ. And so today we're going to walk down a road where we're going to make a decision. And for some of you, it may be a first time decision to follow Jesus. For some of you, it may be an every minute, every hour, every day decision. I'm going to choose Jesus over this cultural thing. But the theme, the question, the decision is culture or Christ? Culture or Christ? That's where we're going this morning. So take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to 1 John 2, beginning in verse 12. That's page 1021, if you want to grab that pew Bible in front of you. And we continue our series on authentic Christianity. And today, John gets to a really meaty portion of his letter, written from Ephesus to Christians many of whom resided in the churches that we read about in the book of Revelation. And he's just finished a section where he's taught us some positives, how we can be humble, how we can confess our sin, how we can imitate Christ. And now he's moving into a section that has the negatives. These are the things that are going to keep you from abiding in Christ. And one of those things that will kill us is if we are enmeshed in culture. You can't have it both ways. It's either culture or Christ. And so we pick up the text here in 1 John 2, beginning in verse 12. Read with me. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, you young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. 
I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, here's that command and the choice in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So this is really a poignant passage. And again, we must understand who John is writing to. He's writing to believers. That first phrase, you have been forgiven of your sin. These are Christians that are walking in a culture that's really difficult. So what I call them are the forgiven ones. This is his audience. And so what he's teaching them here is to not disengage from the people of the world, but to disengage from a world system that is destructive. The word here for world is cosmos, and it doesn't mean individual people. It means a system, and the system is overseen by Satan. And we are to have nothing to do with that system. But at the same time, we are to love the people of the world. So I don't want you to mistake this idea of disengaging from culture as saying, I don't want anything to do with these people. It's a system that Satan is allowed right now to control. After all, in John 3.16, and John penned the letters of Christ, for God so loved the world. That's individual people of the world. And so as we're looking at this idea of culture or Christ, Do not mistake it for separation from the people who desperately need to hear about Jesus. Our calling, our passion, our mission is to get people saved, connect them to Christ, and to help them to be transformed into the image of Christ. And so we can't do that if we disengage from them. At the same time, we can't do that if we are enmeshed in cultural ideas. So it's a tricky thing to do. But it can be done, and John is commanding us to do it. This isn't me talking. This is John. And so it's culture or Christ. Now look how he does this in verses 12 through 14. He wants every person that's reading this to see themselves in the text. And so if you're listening to this read, and you would likely be sitting in a synagogue as a first century Christian, because Saturday would have been the Jewish synagogue gathering. Sunday would have been the Christians in the same building. And you would have heard this letter read to you. And so he wanted you to know that everyone is included here. So look at 12 through 14 again. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So, again, John is writing within that circular, repetitive style that he's so famous for that makes him so difficult 
to outline, and people get so frustrated with them. But I'm not frustrated with them because this is actually the Word of God. So this is the way the Holy Spirit wanted it. Here's what he's doing. He's saying, I'm writing to you culturally. And in your homes, we are in a male-dominated culture. So I'm going to call out to the male of the home, the elder of the home. And I'm going to ask you to put your allegiance where it belongs with Jesus Christ. And here we get this beautiful picture of the church as a family and Christ as the head of the church. Now, some commentators will say, hey, you know what? These different people, this is all steps to spiritual growth. You know, children to young men and women to to fathers. No, I don't think so. I think what he's doing is he's calling out and he's saying to every one of us, I want you to see yourself in this text. I want you to follow Christ. Put away culture and follow Jesus. So if you look at a father or mother, that these are the elder roles of the family. And he says, you're the older ones. You have known him from the beginning. So these are people that likely would have been around as the early church was in its very first stages. Because here we're in the probably the 90s, first century A.D. Jesus had died roughly A.D. 36 or something. And so he's saying, you go way back. And so I'm depending on you. And then young men and women, you're strong. You're passionate. I want you to influence those lazy old people. That's what he's saying. And you know who you are. So here's, this reminds me of this text. I love this. Proverbs 20, 29. The glory of young men is their strength. But the splendor of old men is their gray hair. And so there's room for all of us. And listen, those of you who are younger and the church is already dismissing you because of your age, I'm telling you right now that do not allow yourself to be dismissed. And don't let people say, oh, you're the leaders of tomorrow. You're the leaders of today. And so we as a church need to be developing leaders. We need to be looking at these people here and saying, how can we help develop them into what God wants them to be? Because John says, they are the ones who are strong and passionate. And then the reference to children, likely young Christians, the ones who had just come into relationship with Christ. And so these are the forgiven ones. And it's so important to John that they now take a look at the landscape and they plant their flag with Christ. And so here's the choice that we're dealing with this morning. Culture or Christ, it couldn't be more clear-cut than that. And we see now in verse 15, John has set it up. He said, you're all in this. You're all in the family of God. You all have a role to play. And now here's my command. 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's the punchline. That's the verse that goes right to the heart of the matter. Do not love the things of the world. And so if you use John's family language here, whether you're a retiree, a mother, a father, a child, a student, graduates, what John is calling you to do is to put away culture and walk with Christ. He's calling you to fight the world system. We don't fight against flesh and blood. This is all over Paul's writing, by the way. If we look at Ephesians 6.12, 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. This is our enemy. And then he says this in 2 Corinthians. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so again, we are at war with a satanic system. Now, many times this system works itself out in the actions of people. We all watched last night again horrified at what was happening in London. We're angry, we're frustrated. And what I'm talking about, not fighting against people, I'm not talking about entities. I'm not saying that nations should allow nations to do whatever they want or ISIS shouldn't be fought. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that at an everyday on the ground level, our fight is not against each other or against non-believers. It is against a satanic system. And we must make that clear in order to move forward. And Listen, I'm, I am sometimes, I am mortified by how we as Christians treat each other and those who are not like us. The church is famous, not our church, the church is famous for people that come and they have problems. Oh my goodness, problems. Who does? We don't allow problems. And so divorce happens or addiction happens or pregnancy before marriage happens and instead of churches embracing they're gone because of shame and then we want people to look just like us to come to our church we want them to dress a certain way look a certain way smell a certain way talk a certain way my goodness if they don't have the church lingo down then there's a, there's a church for you down the street probably in you know inner city minneapolis but you don't belong here in minnetonka listen we've got to stop that because we are called to love the people of the world and part of that idea of pursuing Christ and not culture is plugging in and being serious about our mission in life. Because if we are over here halfway and we're invested in culture and we're kind of enamored by it and we're being lured in by it, we are not going to have a passion to give our lives to Christ fully. And what God isn't looking for the smartest people, honestly, he's looking for people that have done away with culture and are following Christ. That's what he wants. And so he wants this as a church, too. Now, in, in just a few minutes, we're going to commission our first community groups. It's going to be exciting. And the reason we have community groups is because not only do we want to walk in community together, but we want to go into neighborhoods with our groups, and we want to touch our neighbors. We want to push the front door of the church out, and we want to get people in connection to Christ because they need him, because they're a messed in culture, and they're dying there. And so this is going to be really exciting. This is why we're, we're going to support MOPS. This is why we're supporting Reach and Restore. And, and as we refine this vision, you're going to find out more and more about how you can be involved. But let me tell you what's happening at Reach and Restore. Because of your kindness... They're remodeling a whole another section of a warehouse to use. And, and Reach and Restore has an amazing story behind it, but they help people transitionally with clothing and, and, and toys and it's, it's everything. 
and a whole new part of a warehouse is being carved out. We got Bible studies going there. We got grief groups going there. We got everything going there, addiction groups. Why? Because these people are breaking free from the world system and they're choosing Christ, not culture. And that's our mission as a church. And so our disability ministry, our global missions, all these things we're setting out to do have to have one focus, and that is to help people choose Christ. We're not in the business here of doing nice life principles. We're not in the business of standing here and reading an author's book and then asking you to read it during the week and coming back and spending Sunday morning. That's fine for other parts of the week. What we're doing here is we're connecting to Christ because, very frankly, you don't need good principles. You need the gospel. I need the gospel. And so we need Christ, not culture. So before I ask you to make this decision, we better define what the world system is. So if you look here, this is what I'm going to talk about for a minute, because you need to know what you're actually walking away from. The world system is driven by fleshly desires and pride. This is what marks the world system. This is Satan's strongholds. This is what we're not to have anything to do with. Look at verse 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And so there's our definition of the world system. Let's break it down a little bit. First, this idea of flesh, the desires of the flesh is this. It points to the gratification of sinful desires. This word for flesh actually denotes sin of the body, cravings that we want. And and obviously, Satan's world system has done a really good job of, of, of getting us to follow these basic instincts that God has given us to use for his glory to gratify, to gratify ourselves. Music, television, movies, social media, everything. And then the desires of the eyes. What's that? It denotes covetous behavior. Simpler terms, it's greed. Satan's kingdom is all about greed. And we saw this in Genesis 3, 6, didn't we? When, when Eve was approached by Satan and he said to her, you think that God has given you everything? Look around. You can have more. And the Bible says that this was a delight to the eye, so she ate the fruit and everything fell apart. Greed. Wanting something that we don't have. That's part of the world system. And then thirdly, this idea of pride of life is pride in possessions. And it means that we clutch what we own. We parade it. And this is not of Christ. This is of the world system. And sometimes it's pretty blurry. This is why you've got to really focus on your your devotions, your, your times with Jesus, your prayer life, getting to know the Word of God, because discernment is so vitally important. I was driving around the other day, listening to a Christian radio station. It's not the one you think. It's not the big 98.5. So I don't want you to think that I'm saying anything about 98.5. But I was listening to this thing, you know, Top 25 Countdown. Brought me back to, you know, back when Casey Kasem was doing that. You know, if those of you are old enough to know who he is. So you're all laughing like, yeah, I remember that. That was cool. So they're using terms like best new artist, a new hit, 
Award winning. And I'm going, okay, like, where, where's the line here? Like, the, the gifts we've been given by God are meant to be used for the glory of God, not to be paraded. And, and I'm not questioning the hearts of these people. I, and I don't even know anything about the industry. But it just struck me that it sounded so much like culture. It was almost like, oh, we like all this from culture, so we're going to put a slap a Christian name on it. Listen, discernment is so vitally important because culture is subtle. We can look at what happened in London and we can go, that's awful, that's evil. Never will we ever go down that road. So Satan is working in the subtle areas and that's much harder. And, and these are difficult. The, the flesh is, is, is so hard because, because God has given us these longings. He's given us sexuality. He's given us these you know, the desire for food and so forth, but Satan has distorted everything. So it's easy when we talk about the flesh just to go to sex and sleeping around. And, but there's so much more to it. There's how do we eat? How, how do we treat our bodies? What do we take in? What are we listening to? What are we watching? What are the attitudes and ideas that we're adopting? Are they Christ-like or are they culture? That's hard. Then and the, the eyes are hard. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a young woman in this culture. And all you see is this body type that you're supposed to have. And then being able to say, I'm okay with who I am in Jesus. That's got to be really hard. And for guys, I mean, we see a car, we want it. We see a boat, we want it. I was at the pharmacy at CVS. I'm getting to know the pharmacy guys. It's what you know. It's my new ministry is like, hand over all of my money that I've earned. So I'm, stand, I'm in this drive through thing, and the guy's looking over at the, at, the, at the gas station, and there's like seven boats there in line. And he goes, I have boat envy. And I go, man, I do too. And then we started having envy about all of the boats. So if you have one, you can give it to me, and I won't have envy anymore. That would be a good ministry for me. really, really hard because our eyes want things. This is why men struggle so much with pornography. This is why they struggle so much with lust because God has wired us properly to be the, to be the instigators, to be wired visually, but Satan has distorted it. And then there's the pride of life. Wow. Western Metro, Minnetonka, pride of life. Do we see that anywhere? I, I, this is a true story. I was driving from Chanhassen to Eden Prairie on five. I saw three Porsches drive by me in that short drive. There were like a million dollars worth of cars that drove by me. And I thought, yes, I know where I live now. But the problem is nothing wrong with having things. The problem is, is when we clutch them, when we, when we say that they're ours and you can't touch this. And, and, and God, you can't have this either. I've, I've earned this. We haven't earned anything. So what do we do? We flaunt because somehow we're drawing our admiration, our longing for importance from culture. And that's false. It's going to fall apart. So what I'm asking you to do this morning is to take that natural desire in the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life and give it to Jesus and say, you know what? I can't do this battle. I need you to transform me. And choose Christ over culture. Because the truth of the matter is, this culture is falling apart. And, and I'm going to talk about that. You know, I was listening, speaking of music, I was listening to uh, 
Some of you know the song, Give Me Jesus, and I was kind of listening to it the other day, and I was just thinking about those words, and that song, Through Some of the Darkest Nights in My Life, has just reminded me that Christ is the goal of all of this, even in the trials, the difficulties, the darkness. Christ is the goal, and, it, and the words are so simple. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. Here's what I want for you. I want for you to choose Jesus because this is where you're going to find freedom and joy and peace. This is where you're going to find fulfillment. You're not going to find it in culture. And culture is going away anyway. Here, here's the truth of the matter. The world system is disintegrating. It may seem powerful. It may seem like it's always going to be like this. Look at verse 17. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So why would you want to attach yourself to a sinking ship? Why would you want to put your lot in a culture that's disintegrating? And here's the truth of the matter. This is biblical. That if you choose culture over Christ, and you've never come into relationship with Jesus Christ, then you will, in the end, pay for it with drastic consequences. The Bible says those who do not have relationship relationship with Jesus Christ, spend eternity in hell and conscious torment. But those who are willing to choose Christ live forever with Christ. Because this world system that seems so overwhelming, so powerful, so alluring, is falling apart. And one day Christ will come back. This brings new meaning to those words. Don't worry, I have overcome the world. I have overcome this culture. I have overcome this satanic system. Don't go there. Choose Christ. And so these forgiven believers who are walking the same road we are, in a culture that is similar to us, the only difference for them is persecution was real. And John is saying, I want you to come back to what you know. I want you to come back to Jesus because, hey, you're all forgiven. You understand. And so now it's time for you to choose. The choice is yours. And this is what I'm asking you to make a choice about this morning. For some of you, it's to receive Jesus for the first time. You've listened to people talk about Christ. You've been to Concerts where people have talked about Christ. Your friends have talked about Christ. But you've always said, I don't need Christ. But what I'm telling you this morning is that you desperately need Jesus. I need Jesus. We all need the gospel. And culture will take you and ruin you. Jesus will save you. So this is an opportunity for you for the first time. By just saying, I believe in you. Will you please forgive me for wandering from you? And then secondly, I'm calling you to authentic Christianity. And what I mean by that is this. I'm asking you to identify areas of your life. And I can quickly do it. I don't like preaching this sermon because I was sitting praying this morning and I'm just convicted all over the place. And I don't like that feeling. What are the areas where you know that you're fiddling around with culture? You're distracted by it. You're giving it more time than you are your passion for Christ. You know that it's, you know that it's clutching you. Are you willing to give that over and say... I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how to disconnect. But Lord, I see this. I'm giving it to you. That's authentic Christianity. And then finally, I'm asking you this. Are you a spokesman 
for Christ or for culture. If, 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 if I knew you at work or at school, or if I knew you in the homeschool group or something, would I identify you as a spokesman for Jesus or a spokesman for culture or neither? Spokesman for Jesus, man, that's our, that's our mission, to make Jesus known through community impact as a church and as individuals. You know how people in your sphere of influence, you all have them. Wendy and I were commenting yesterday in about an hour period, we had somewhat meaningful conversations with three neighbors that we discovered things about them that we can use to build relationships. And so, is it Christ or is it culture? This culture, just like John's culture, is messed up. And it will kill you. It will lure you in. It will promise you everything and it will deliver nothing. And so I'm asking you today to make that choice. This is what we're going to do. Before we commission our community groups, we're going to do a song. And I want this song to be a time when you think about this question. It's a song about Jesus saving us. He saves us every minute of every day. He saves us once and for all. He is our guide. He is our peace. He is everything to us. And we're going to have a a prayer team now. We're just starting this this Sunday. They're going to be here every Sunday. They're going to be here to pray with you. But I want to do this because I don't want to lose this moment. During the song, if you feel like there's something you want to just say, hey, I'm going to bring my family up here. I'm going to say, I need you pray for me about this. Or we're just letting this go. Or I need Jesus. These people are going to be standing here. And I know it's uncomfortable. We don't do this very often. And, and, and I want to develop a culture where it's okay. And I want you to know that if you come and pray, people aren't looking at you as being weak. They're looking at you. They're admiring your courage. And so I'm going to say a short prayer, and then our worship team is going to come up. These people will come up and be ready to pray for you. And during the song, come and feel free to unload this burden and choose Christ over culture. God, what an what a incredible calling by John. Do not love the things of the world, for if we do, the love of the Father is not in us. God, I confess, I, I am attached to culture in areas of my life that just consume my thoughts. And they're not even like sinful things. It's just consuming. And I see these areas, God, and I pray that we as a group now would lay these down as a church. If there are individuals here this morning that are identifying areas that they need to let go, will you please coax them to the front so they can live in community and be prayed over? God, help us to make the right choice this morning. And I pray this in your name. Amen.